The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hey everyone, happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. It's Sunday when I'm recording this, so very fresh less than a day until you're probably taking your listen if you're one of those loyal people that tunes in every Monday morning right when it's posted. And I know there's some of you because I wake up Monday to go to school. I refresh the podcast page to make sure it posted as planned. It goes up at 5 a.m. Eastern time. And there's always a few people that have already listened. So you out there, you are great. And all of you listening, I appreciate you so, so much. And remember that you can show some support to keep the podcast going and get it pushed out to more listeners by giving the show five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. You just click on the name of the show from where you're listening right now, and then it'll take you to the homepage. And at the top, there'll be an option to give it a rating. So that would help me out a ton. But as you saw from the title, we're going to be talking about the timeline for dental boards in the United States specifically, because that's all that I'm familiar with. And most of it is going to be fourth year of dental school. But as we get into it, I'll explain how that might be a little different depending on your program and everything. But first, we're a little overdue for a catch-up. You know, it's a solo episode, and this is my time to reconnect with you guys, let you know what's been going on and what I've been up to pretty much the first month of fall semester. We started, I believe it was August 29th or something, whatever that Monday was, went through all of September, and now it's the beginning of October, so we're overdue for some updates. So first, let's catch up. I hate to just plug different platforms, but you all know I do this podcast every week, but my original thing that got me into social media and connecting with you all all around the world, really, was YouTube. So I've still been trying to keep up with vlogs and documenting those big moments of dental school since I have so much of that from the pre-dental days and early dental school. I didn't really want to give up on YouTube, even though I wouldn't say it's my main platform anymore. But that being said, watch my recent vlogs. Two vlogs ago was information from summer break and job search and more, I guess, video form of what a lot of my podcasts about the job search have been. And then the most recent video is information that would be new to you. Exciting update. I signed a contract, an employment agreement, for my first ever job as a dentist. I am so, so excited. That's going to be something to talk about another time, though. I'll surely make a finale, if you will, to the job search saga of episodes. I think that would be the fourth episode at that point, and you can hear about it and the process of working with the attorney and everything if you head over to my YouTube. And I'm also planning on having the dental attorney that I worked with for the contract review on as a podcast guest. So many things to look for in that regard, but long story short, I'm so excited. It's like my dream practice, the best team ever, and I think it's going to be a really, really 
special place to work. So I'm very optimistic and excited, but I won't be starting until June. So it's still eight months away and it is early. If anyone listening, if this is making them worried or anything, please don't feel that way. I'm just the type of person that I like to be overly prepared and start things really early. And it's just really nice knowing where I'm going. And especially next semester, I'm going to be trying to spend more time there and get more familiar with the office, the flow, the patient base, the team, but all that's going to kind of slowly, slowly build as we're getting closer to spring and summer and starting working there. So that's the employment updates. As for what's going on in dental school, the reason I picked to film, not film, record this episode today is because yesterday, Saturday, October 7th, I took my CDCA licensing exam, which is mannequin based now. And that's what prompted me wanting to break down how boards work and what are the different elements of it and when are they usually taken and everything. So that's a major milestone, but I don't know if I passed yet. I've heard it takes two weeks, but the actual program and the website say four to six weeks, but they said the same thing for our written multiple choice exam that you study for that it would take way more weeks than it actually does. So I don't know. I'm hoping two weeks from now it'll be available whether we passed or not. But as of now, I don't really know for sure, but I felt good about it. And that's kind of all you can ask for leaving an exam like that. That's so high stakes is to feel good. I felt like I did my best preps yet and I was very calm and taking my time because they give you so much time. In my opinion, way more time than anyone should need and could need and if you're using the full time you're probably just messing with things and you have the risk of messing something up and making it worse so I would say slow and steady but not so slow and nitpicky that you make things worse because it is a pass fail exam so you don't want to overdo it one way or the other you just want to be that happy medium where they glance at it and they say okay this is great pass move on they're not you don't want them getting out all the measurements and trying to see if you did or did not pass is kind of the word on the street from what I've heard. So as for dental school itself and clinic, my clinic schedule is super busy. We have a morning and an afternoon kind of session and then a lunch period where there's usually student org meetings or I just take lunch. If I finish early in the morning, I might come home and then go back to school. It just kind of depends like what I'm feeling day to day but essentially a morning and an afternoon block. And literally until break in early December and our last couple exams, which are OSCEs, I don't have any openings. I think I have one or two left the very last week of clinic, but everything else, all of October, all of November, first week of December, every single session, I am full and I'm not allowed to see any more patients than that amount. So if I can't fit in the patients that I'm doing recall exams or new patient exams on, I've been referring them to my D3 vertical team member. So we all have our own patient pools, but sometimes D3s, especially where I was as a D3, you're not that busy or you initially get assigned a patient pool of mostly maintenance and not a lot of work to do. So she's really grateful if I'm ever assigning any patients that actually need restorative or comprehensive PROS cases. I'm trying not to start too many new denture cases or 
a ton of crowns once it gets probably to like February time because I don't want anything to not get finished and then to be in trouble when it comes towards graduating or not. Even though I'll be done with all my requirements, they still don't let you have any cases that are in process and not finished. So I'm not going to really let that happen ideally by just not even starting those cases once it gets too close to when clinic is done in April. And I'm going to be delivering one of my last test cases this week, which is a two-arch removable case or combo case. The only other thing I have is a perio. I have to do a reevaluation after SRP, so six weeks after SRP. And as you can imagine, patients always, always, always cancel those because who wants to go back in to be evaluated when they don't have any other needs and... I, they're driving really far. It's a long appointment. I can understand why they cancel it. So I haven't been able to actually do that test case because anytime I get in that situation, my patients always reschedule, reschedule. And then by the time they come back in, they're due for another maintenance or we can't properly do a reevaluation. So we'll see if I get to do that this week or not. But hopefully I do, potentially tomorrow, depending again, how the faculty is that day and everything, but just a few more test cases that should be wrapping up within the month, I really hope. And then another thing that we're not graded on, we just have to do at least one before graduation is an implant crown. So I need one of those as well, but I was recently assigned some new patients that supposedly one already has the implant placed and has had enough healing time that they're ready for the crown. So that's coming up in two or three weeks and ideally I'll just be taking the impression for the crown that appointment and then deliver it a few weeks later and then another requirement done, you know. That's basically how I'm looking at things for now for the fall is just requirements and being busy and trying to treatment plan as much treatment as I can and then use last semester of school to just hopefully be really, really busy with restorative and try to spend more time in oral surgery to get better at extractions. And I did get my first root canal patient at school scheduled through our emergency intake clinic. That's where I met the patient and then got the patient referred to me, went up and got them scheduled in endo with me, and then they're going to see me in the normal student clinic for comprehensive care after that. And then obviously the permanent restoration to protect the root canal treated tooth It's pretty compromised. It's like a classic endo post-core crown situation. So hopefully it turns out well for him since he's going the root canal route instead of extraction. And I'm excited to get to do my first root canal on a real patient start to finish. You all know I did one in my D4 summer rotation, so last semester, but I needed a lot of help with it. So I don't really feel like it was my first one and because I didn't do it start to finish all myself. I got a lot of help from the preceptor. So I'm hoping since this is the exact same tooth that was on boards and everything that it will feel a lot more predictable and that I can do it independently and start to feel a little more competent with root canals. And then we have to do one more patient for live patient root canal as well to graduate and they're supposed to help match us with a patient for that but we'll see i'm always keeping an eye out amongst my own patient base and on that emergency and intake rotation that we do as well 
So I'm just like a little too busy to be keeping up with all my patients, but I'm doing the best that I can. Like I have more patients than I can handle within the school's parameters that they set. It's not that I don't want to see them or I'm too slow to see them. They just only let us schedule so many patients per week. So I'm trying to either make extra space, book more things in one appointment for patients, and a lot of it is honestly getting filled up because they have a schedule so many appointments for prosthodontics. Our dentures take up a lot of appointments. All the different recalls that they make a schedule after delivery take up a lot of appointments. So that's really a lot of my schedule this week of my six appointments, or maybe even eight appointments, I have two denture deliveries and two 24-hour recalls for those denture deliveries. So 50% of my appointments this week are just to deliver dentures when they could be a bunch of fillings or crowns and things like that. So that's why another reason I'm trying not to do too much removable pros now going forward just because it takes up so many appointments. But, you know, we'll see. I would love to do like an implant overdenture the one that kind of snaps in and off of the implant buttons because I haven't gotten to do one of those myself I've had a decent amount of exposure to them through assisting classmates and things but I want to do my own case would be really nice but the patient would probably already need the implants placed because by the time they get them and they heal we're getting too close to graduation probably so you never know but that's we can call my wish list for graduation is more extractions, my second root canal patient, normal implant crown, and then implant overdenture. We can say those four things are on my wish list and we can check in closer to graduation if I got to do all of that. And speaking of oral surgery, just what's kind of coming up and those rotations I was talking about, I have a week in oral surgery coming up in the middle of October and then I have two more weeks at the pediatric clinic in Traverse City coming up in November. So I spent two weeks there in September and it was not great. Um, Nothing to knock the clinic. They're just getting started. So it's just really, really slow. And the school sent too many students, in my opinion. Since it's a pediatric clinic, a whole group of third years go as their final set of their pediatric experiences third year so there's six of them and then they send six of us fourth years there and it's not like I said I wanted to do pediatrics or I in any way requested this clinic it's just what I randomly got assigned out of all the ones we can randomly get assigned and it just opened at the beginning of September so we were there their second and third week ever being open and it was very slow for 12 students there were not enough patients And I probably saw two patients the first week and two or three patients the second week. To put in perspective, ideally, we want to be seeing four to six patients a day on these rotations, not two, three, four patients a whole week. And we were there for all five days. So I'm not so optimistic going into the next set of two weeks but since they would have been open two months at that point I'm hoping the schedule will be a little bit busier when I did get to do operative work it was good clinical experience the patient base is pediatrics which for them is actually up to age 21 which I thought was interesting I would have assumed it was 18 and then they also treat persons with disabilities and pregnant women so some of our patients were older adults 
in their 20s and their 30s. They weren't all little kids. And I got some more experience with nitrous, more pediatric anesthesia, more restorative. So it wasn't like a complete waste of time, but it was less busy than we would be at school when they usually want this external rotation program to be busier than school and simulating real working environment, real clinic. And this particular site, just because it's brand new, in my opinion, was not prepared to be bringing on this many students. So we'll see how it goes in the future. But that's really all of the updates that I have for what's going on in dental school. And then we're going to get into the topic of the episode, which is board's timeline. I don't really have a ton to say about it, but I just want to lay it out for you all so you know what components of boards you need to take before graduation and what things you need to do independently versus what things will the school set up for you and then when do all of those things happen. So the main thing that you need to be a licensed dentist is to apply for a license in the state that you want to practice. And there is a handful of things that you need to do if you want to say a checklist in order to apply for that license and you send all of that in to your state's licensing association and then several weeks later they would grant you a dental license. And one of those big things are various boards exams that you need to pass. So one is through CODA which is like the accreditation for dental and that is the integrated national dental boards exam. And it used to be the NBDE, and now it's INBDE, integrated, meaning it's all one exam. It used to be NBDE Part 1 and NBDE Part 2. But now it is one part, which I have heard is a good thing. And I didn't have the option to pick between the two. It switched about three years ago. So everyone now and going forward is going to be taking this. And it is a multiple choice exam you take at a Prometric test center. So same kind of place you took your DAT to get into dental school. And you can take it whenever your school allows. Every school has different rules. Most don't let you take it until you start fourth year. But my school and a handful of others do let you take it at the end of third year, which I think is awesome. We could take it as soon as January of our third year. So the last semester of third year. And I would say the sooner the better that you take it because you're already in that school mode, study mode, you're still in classes versus if I tried to sit down and study for it now, it would be a lot harder to get that motivation and get in that flow of studying for exams. And for us, like I said, it's January that we can take it, but some of my classmates didn't take it until spring break that time or until may some of them waited until august some of them still haven't taken it i believe i took mine in march so i started studying in january and i think i took it at the very middle of march if i can remember correctly you guys will have to go back and look in my youtube again plugging that i have an INBDE study vlog and then i have a vlog of taking the exam and finding out that i passed And then I also believe I have a podcast episode about the INBDE as well. So plenty of things to listen to if you're approaching third year or fourth year and you haven't taken the exam yet. One thing to keep in mind is your school is going to tell you when you're eligible to take it, but it's going to be on you to go in, make a profile, pay, sign up for a date, 
your school will approve you to get to do that through the system and then you'll get an email saying that you're eligible to sign up for a date and at that point then you have something to work towards towards studying but you can change the date for a small fee and then once it's too close to the date it's a big fee if you want to change it i ended up just picking one and sticking with it though so main takeaway for the inbde is you can take it whenever your school allows any point from then until graduation I recommend taking it as soon as you can with adequate studying. I studied for about three months and get it over with while you're still in super student mode because now I'm much more clinical, hands-on mode than bookwork lectures mode. And the next thing is what I was telling you about a little bit in the intro, the CDCA clinical exam. So that is through a different set of test makers and people that are taking our money that would be the ADEX or REB they combined with CDCA it's all kind of the same thing now and they are the ones that put on the clinical exam they are going to be showing your hand skills your dental skills some states used to do in person almost all the states now accept this exam it's in person i meant live patients some states used to do live patients but now most states accept this they that is mannequin based so in the fall at some point you're going to take this first three sections and then you're going to take another one in the spring So your school sets the date for you and will host the exam at your school's clinics. They should give you all the materials. I've heard of some schools that make you pay for the materials, which is just kind of silly. I mean, I'm sure we paid for it in our tuition, but I prefer that than getting a big bill, a small bill later on after you're already paying for tuition. So for us, they set the date. We still had to go on to the CDCA website and create a profile and pay But once you say what school you go to, it just sets you up with that date. You don't choose a date. And they should be giving you the date like a year, six months in advance, which they did for us. And then they went and changed it probably two or three months out, which I was so bummed because this weekend I was supposed to be at SmileCon, ADA's conference in Orlando, and I was supposed to be doing a podcast live, which would have been so cool. They invited me to do that. But then they switched the weekend aboards to be a weekend sooner right now. And then I couldn't go to SmileCon, which obviously have to take boards. But it was kind of a bummer because I was so excited. But hopefully I'll be going to SmileCon next year in New Orleans if they would like to have me. So all that aside, they should give you a date early so you can plan your life. But sometimes they change it just a forewarning because they changed ours and I couldn't go to this conference. One of my classmates got married and had his honeymoon planned. So he didn't change his honeymoon. He's just going to do the remediation date. So that jumps ahead to the fact that you can make up something if you fail. And the expensive fee, it's almost $3,000. It's a little less for this whole package of exams, not including the INBDE that's its own about seven to nine hundred dollar charge all the cdca clinical exams it's a little under three thousand but it includes one retake it includes all four sections of the clinical skills and another multiple choice 
clinical skill multiple choice exam at a Prometric center, but it's supposed to be easier, apparently. It's like a CDCA OSCE is what it's called. So in the fall, what are you being tested on? You're going to be tested on prosthodontics, one anterior crown prep, and one bridge, and the bridge is going to be a gold and a PFM. And then the anterior is ceramic. And then after you finish that, you move on to the endo section. And the endo is a full access and obturation of number eight. And then an access on number 14. And you do have to be placing the rubber dams for everything and doing everything as if it's a live patient with complete infection control in practice. So like, let's say you were practicing you were doing the exam and you dropped your mirror, you would have to go up to the floor examiner and tell them, I dropped my mirror. If this was a live patient, I would grab a new sterile mirror. And that's all you have to do. And you can keep working, but you have to make sure that you're following all protocols as if it was a live patient, because technically they can fail you for something like that, which is bonkers, but I guess I understand it because they want to make sure we understand infection protocol, which is very important. It just feels silly when you know that you're working on a mannequin and they know you're working on a mannequin. So you did PROS, you did ENDO, and the last section for the exam that I took yesterday was PERIO, which is hand scaling simulated calculus deposits. It was like very straightforward. You could straight up see the deposits sub g as well as feel them obviously but you could see most of them too which was kind of nice and reassuring to make sure you got everything off the main thing people actually get caught up in or might fail the section four is if they're destroying the gingiva too much with their hand scalers by being too aggressive so hopefully i don't fail for that because obviously simulated tissue is a little different than the real mouth this might win for shortest segment ever but the last part of boards in addition to obviously graduating from a code accredited dental school and whatever the little requirements are for a license in the state that you're going to whether it's your DEA license or taking like a justice and jurisprudence and CPR other types of CE that you need to take as well as paying your licensing fee the last boards that you need to take to finish the CDCA circuit, if you will. It's the fall, which is pros endoperio. And then some other time you have to sign up independently to take that OSCE at Prometric, which is the multiple choice exam. And then in the spring, at some point, you would take your restorative portion. The previous years, it's been restorative and perio, and then in the fall was just pros and endo, but they moved perio to the fall, and I think that's really good because I was hearing from my friends last year for restorative that they didn't have time to finish restorative because of how slow it was getting different checks from the examiners. And then they were really rushing through perio. So I'm hoping that they're going to give us either more time for restorative now that there's not multiple sections with it or that they just have more floor examiners. That way it can be quicker and we can actually do our work instead of sitting around waiting. But restorative in this case is for composites and you're going to have a class two and a class three, which is pretty quick. (laughs) It's just that Anytime you need to go beyond the ideal shape that they give you in dimensions, you have to ask for an extension every half a millimeter. And half a millimeter is not very much. 
And if you have really, really large simulated decay, which they're not normal typodont teeth, they're caries simulated typodont teeth, and they all have a different amount of decay, and they can be decay into the pulp, and then you need to place a liner and all this stuff. I've heard if it's close where you might pulp, you might not, and you think you got all the decay out and you haven't pulped yet, but you're close, I've heard it's better to ask for the extension have the pulp exposure and do a pulp cap rather than getting really close and stopping because it sounds like they'll just say that you left decay and then you fail. If you leave decay at all, you fail. Or if you don't ask for an extension and you go beyond ideal, you fail. Or if you pulp and don't do the recs, the correct indirect pulp cap, you fail, or I guess direct pulp cap at that point. So lots of ways to fail and I've, restorative is definitely the one that people fail the most. So I mean, ideally, I want to pass everything the first go, right? But it sounds like a lot of people do fail some section or multiple sections. So as I mentioned, in that big fee, you get one retake included. But if you were to fail, let's say, endo right now in the fall, and then you also fail restorative in the spring, you have to pay a lot of money to retake the restorative because you've already used your one free retake in the fall. So all of us are just like praying that we pass this fall that way restorative is a little less intimidating we want to still do our best and we want to pass but if you don't you're not stuck with this giant bill that's really quite discouraging when you're a student and you don't have any money so that's why I would say CDCA is stressful for people is more so the financial burden than really the clinical stress to me it just felt like any other practical that we normally would take in school the rubrics were very very clear it was very clear what we needed to do to pass so for me it's just it was an expensive test and if I have to pay for it again because I failed two sections for something really small and frustrating I'm going to be really disappointed in myself and financially stressed about it. So I would say that's the biggest thing with CDCA and that's why people get so worked up about it is because it's so expensive. Like in the long run, when you have an income, it's totally different. But right now, it's a lot of money and a lot of people's savings or a lot more debt to take out. And a couple things to keep in mind for restorative before we wrap up here is that you can use any materials you want as long as they're real dental materials. Even if your school doesn't normally let you use them or doesn't carry them at their dispensary or dental stores, but then you also have access to everything that your school would normally have since they're the ones hosting the exam for you. So your clinic will be normally set up exactly the same. You'll have access to all the same materials, but if you want to bring in a different type of matrix band or different sectional matrices to protect adjacent teeth, fender wedges, things like that. Even if you don't usually use them, you can, which is something that I think is nice. So you can try to get the best possible outcome on test day. And I think the only little bullet point that I'm looking at my notes that I missed to tell you is when exactly you take the clinical sections of the CDCA. And that's going to vary from school to school. That's why I kind of left it out for us the pros endoperio fall portion was this first weekend of october and then our restorative is middle of march but the earliest that i heard of people starting the fall one was in august and it seemed to start on like the east coast schools and to be working its way 
through the Midwest and then out to the West Coast is what I was kind of noticing. I don't know if that's actually how it works, but your school will give you the date. And then same thing for restorative in the spring. We already have our date for whatever weekend it is in March. So it's just going to be pre-assigned to you. I don't really know how it works if you're someone that needs to take the exam, but you don't, if you're not currently enrolled in in a dental school, because I recognized people at our boards yesterday that are not classmates of us like they are definitely other people whether they're trying to get licensed in the U.S. or whatever happened they're definitely not my classmates so I'm assuming that there's a way to sign up to take the CDCA exam at a dental school even if you don't attend that dental school I'm sure that there is a way but I'm not the girl to ask about that so that's everything that I know and everything I wanted to share with you all about the process of boards and what the timeline looks like. I hope that this episode was a little bit helpful and gave you some insight and I will talk to you all next Monday. 